Happy Sunday, Social Dallas fam. Welcome to Watch Party Sunday, and we are live from SDHQ. First of all, wherever you're watching, I hope you're with a crew of people that you love. And this is going to be an incredible day. Uh, we periodically do Watch Party Sundays because we are a mobile church. And so we give our team a Sunday to be refreshed and relaxed. And another reason we do Watch Party Sunday is because we are committed to the message of Jesus, but our medium is always going to change. So we're switching it up today. I'm going to introduce our guest in a minute, but I am not by myself. I'm here with my bride, yes. the lovely Taylor Madhu, yes. in your butterfly sweater. How you feeling? Yes. I love like it. It's very, very nice. How you feeling? We're in SDHQ. I feel amazing. It's surreal to be in the room. It's amazing to see what the team has done. I'm just grateful. Come on. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. How excited are you about our guest today? You know, it's one of my favorite people on the planet. So the fact that this person would join us, Ooh. I just feel very honored, you know, very honored. I'm more <laughs> excited than you are okay. because we go way, 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 way back. I have known this individual for 15 plus years. Uh, I could say so much, but let's first of all say he is an incredible father. Mm -hmm. He is an amazing husband. He is a preacher of preachers. He is a leader. He is a thought leader. He is hilarious. 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 I hope you're ready to <laughs> laugh, social fam, because we will laugh today. He he could have been a comedian. I could go uh, on and on. Anything with a microphone, this man could do. He has a podcast that is blowing up right wow. now. Only this person that I'm about to introduce. <laughs> could have his name become synonymous with a place in people's houses. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to SDHQ, my friend, my brother, Pastor Tim Ross Tim is in the building. <laughs> Come on. Thank with the you. yellow glasses and everything, Yay. this is a dream come true. Welcome, 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 Tim. Thank you. First of all, I'm just excited that on a public forum, people are getting to experience what I have experienced for years yeah. in private. I have had conversations in cheesecake factories, in waffle houses, uh -huh. where Tim Ross has had tears coming down my face, snot coming this way. We've had to tell the waiter, please come back, <laughs> come back. And you know you're in, which is what probably happened today, you know you're having a good Tim Ross conversation when he pauses in the middle and goes, mm, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Exactly. <laughs> and then we'll hit you with some illustration. You're like, how does your brain even function like that? But uh, I, I remember our first meeting. Mm -hmm. You reached out to me out of the blue. You had heard a message. You're mm -hmm. like, hey, I just heard a sermon from you. You're mm -hmm. awesome. We should go to lunch. Mm -hmm. And we started that conversation there, and we've had an amazing friendship. But for those who don't know who Tim Ross is, if you aren't breathing, uh, you don't know who he is. But who, who is Tim Ross? Timothy Charles Ross was born June 26, 1975. 75. 75. I'm 48. That, wow. I'm 48. You look like you're 25. You're <laughs> this is the skin you get when your ancestors survive a boat ride. Hey, <laughs> come on. Honestly, I'm So this is it. Come on. So, so, yeah, I was born in Southern California in Inglewood yeah. to Charles and Maxine Ross. And, um... Grew up in L.A. Uh, dad worked for the post office for 33 years. Mom worked for the LAPD for 30. Oldest brother founded a gang in L.A. Um, so it was a lot going on. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, but great, great uh, family of origin. Some people have really bad family of origin stories. My parents were uh, not perfect, but they, they were, they were batting, they were batting higher than what life handed them. And so, um, uh, grew up in a house that was centered around God and Jesus and discipleship. My, uh, parents, uh, pastored a church for 15 years that started in our living room when I was 12 years old. Uh, and I gave my life to Jesus in their church, which at the time on January 14th of 96 was in, uh, the banquet room of a bowling alley. Wait. Yeah. They, their church services were being held at a bowling alley that had a banquet room. And the bowling alley was still active. And- oh no, you could hear pins dropping. <laughs> while people were praying strike (laughs) turn to uh, just yes it was like turn to exodus three (laughs) like whatever the sound pins getting knocked over sound like that was happening so you heard the the rolling of bowling balls and pins being knocked while people were like getting delivered and i gave my life to jesus in the on the back row of their church no sermon Um, no altar call. It was, uh, right after Sunday school morning worship had started. I was sitting in the back. Um, and the Holy spirit said, you're a sinner. It was the most matter of fact statement I ever heard in my life. No condemnation at all. Just a matter of fact statement. Like you got butterflies on your sweater. Right. And the moment he said it was the exact moment I realized it for the first time ever. I don't have a relationship with God. I could, I could feel the disconnect and I just started sobbing. Yeah. And so I couldn't, I'm like, this is a Pentecostal church. So I was like, and the, and the ser- the morning service had just started. So I'm like at least three and a half hours away from my salvation experience because Pentecostal church is so long. Right, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I can't wait that long. So they had a moment in the service where they do testimonies. Hmm. So I stood up during testimony service. Please, please tell me what happened. I, I, so, 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 so there's about five people that got up in front of me and my dad was, you know, running the service. And so he was going from front to back, you know, with the people that stood up and I just, so I'm in the back, just standing up, like waiting for him to call on me and everybody's kind of long winded. And some people had some good testimonies and other people were, were giving mad glory to the devil right. and yeah, just, yeah. and then they were like, pray for me at the end. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, I don't think that was a testimony. Like, I think you just said Satan is the boss of your life. You need to, you need to redo. You need to know what a testimony is. Let the redeemed of the Lord say something else beside what you said. So it was really random. And, but I just stood there and then my dad finally said, uh, I think Tim has something to say. Because wow. I wasn't the PK that played church, yeah. right? So church on Sunday for me was to write raps and laugh at the people that spoke in tongues. Mm. Like I wasn't like playing church and then going out doing stuff. I was like, y'all had that. I live in your house. I guess I got to be here. Wow. But my dad said, I think Tim has something to say. And I said, I give up. Wow. This is a small church, like 50 people in this. So everybody's like turning around like, give up what? And I was like, I need to get saved right now. Yeah. And then my mom let out like the loudest 
ending scene credit of a Tyler Perry movie, Hallelujah, you've ever heard in your life. Like, Hallelujah, Jesus! Thank you, Lord! And started crying, and I started crying, my dad started crying. Like it was it was Suge Avery coming home in the color purple. And um I gave my life to Jesus January 14th of 96, started reading the Bible. January 15th of 96, mm. Thompson Chain Reference, King James Version of the Bible. Then I preached my first sermon February 25th of 96, five weeks later. Wait, how old were you? 20. 20. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have, I have a question. See, because even to hear you say that when you were growing up in church as a PK, you did not play church, you did not play the game. Mm-hmm. And to me, you alluded to it earlier, I just find that intriguing that all the way from a young age, you refused to have any pretense. And that's what I think about when I think about you. There is no body as open, as honest, as transparent, as vulnerable as you. So you have always had this like thing. It seems like where it's like I'm. I can't pretend. It is. Yeah, I don't. Is what it's like. Where Where does that come from? Because it's so antithetical to our culture. Where everything is fake. Everything is curated. Or everything is pressured by some peers. Right. I, I just. I, like I've never smoked weed in my whole life. I was around a bunch of weed smokers that sold crack, and I was just like, "Yeah, nah, I'm not doing that." Right? I never been drunk in my life. Not that I couldn't have got drunk. I was like, I don't like being out of control of my faculties. Like the thought of that, the thought of waking up and not knowing what happened to you, that's mortifying to me. So I'm like, I want to be sober because I just like to know what's happening, <laughs> what's happening yeah. to me at all times. Right? Um. I have this story when I was, a uh, church story, when I was 18 years old, this was two years before I got saved, uh, my uncle came to the church and he was fire and brimstone preacher. Like he scare you into the kingdom of heaven, right? You're going to hell. You're about to bust hell wide open. There's a bullet with your name on it. <laughs> like it was like, it was meant to shake you, right? So I'm like, um, he's coming to preach. So he came to preach and he preaches a sermon and at the end, he tells me and my brother Miles to stand up. I, we're 18. We got little hoops in our ears, you know what I'm saying? Pants sagging maybe a little bit. And <laughs> we're like standing up there and he's like, look at you. Standing there with those earrings and things. If you died today, you'd bust hell wide open. He was like, God wants your heart. He wants your life. And you got to give it to him. You're already standing. So you should come down to the front right now and give your life to Jesus. Or if you sit down, hell <laughs> could be your home. Now, I'm a literalist, right? So everything he's saying, I'm taking literally. Like when he said bullet with your name on it, I'm like, who hates me so much? That they're gonna take the time to etch my name on the bullet <laughs> that's gonna kill me, number one. Number two, whose aim is so good that they can shoot one shot and end my life? So I'm like already going through like all of this, and then and then like I'm gonna bust hell wide open. Like, it's not already wide open. I'm gonna do it. Like my life is so bad. Like I know I got I'm I'm a sinner, but I'm going to do it. Like, I'm about to enlarge hell. <laughs> I'm going to make it burst. Like, oh you know. So I'm processing all this while he's talking. 
And then he makes this ultimatum of like, if you sit down, hell, hell's going to be your home. And so, you know, when you have a sibling and you're very, very close, Miles and I were 17 months apart. And so, you know, you, I'm looking, I'm looking at Miles and we're having a whole conversation with our eyes, right? You could talk to your siblings with your eyes, right? So Miles looking at me and with his eyes, he's basically telling me, whatever you do, I do, bro. Like if you sit down, I'll sit down. If you go up, I'll go up. Now, if we would have went up, it would have just been for the, there was no conviction of the Holy right. Spirit, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm standing there and I look at him. He looks at me. I sit down. So his wife pops up. She goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Bible says the day that you hear God's voice, harden not your heart. Now, me being me, at that time... <laughs> Quick with my wit, quick with my words. I was a battle rapper. This came out before I could even think. In front of everybody. So she goes, the Bible says the day you hear God's voice, harden not your heart. And one beat later, I said, that's the problem. I don't hear God's voice. Wow. I only hear yours. Man. Wow. Mad, awkward silence. I sat down. <laughs> and then the whole church is like, whoa. <laughs> and, you know, my uncle's like, does anybody else want to give their life to Jesus? <laughs> or You know, it was really awkward. Yeah. But that was two years before I gave my life to Jesus. Man. So, like, there was there was this forced way that, that with good intentions, somebody tried to get me to Jesus. Yeah. And then two years later, I got to Jesus without nobody's sermon and nobody's altar call. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I haven't turned back in 27 years. Like, what happened to me? That was not a joke. Right. That was not a feeling. That was not a good idea. That was God's idea. Man. And I've been walking with him for the last 27 years. Unbelievable. I love this because um, we talk a lot about communication about preaching you are a brilliant preacher thank you and um we we talk about sermons all the time but not just as a preacher like conversationally you're a brilliant communicator i think the greatest communicators are the greatest listeners and you listen so well but take us back like how if if you were resolute enough to say hey he ain't he ain't speaking i just hear you what, what was the moment where you said okay i know i'm called to actually preach the gospel like what was that was that moment was so so i have to attribute the ministry side and the preaching side to my, my mom okay. so maxine ross is you know she taught us the, the bible from the time we were toddlers we had devotion every night we had to come in singing for he is lord 6 p.m <laughs> i don't care if you're playing football hide and seek you know whatever you were doing you had to come in singing for he is lord he is lord he every has night. risen every every night at 6 p.m what are we doing in our parenting yeah yeah <laughs> he has risen from the dead and he is lord every knee shall bow every tongue confess that jesus christ his lord for he's my lord then we have to take it to a personal level yeah so it, he is it was declarative and then it 
it was no, personal. Right, personal. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, so we came in every night singing that. So even though I wasn't saved, my Bible IQ was up here. Man. Because we went through the whole Bible. Like, yeah. and, and she's like a brilliant Bible teacher. So um, I give my life to Jesus, like I said, on the 14th. I start reading the Bible on the 15th. Obviously, I start from Genesis 1. I just start reading through. So by the 17th, because it was about a Wednesday, the, the 17th, uh, yeah, that's the 17th. The 17th, I'm through like the first 10 chapters of uh, Genesis. And I'm a I'm slow reader because this is a very archaic language. And uh, King James, right? So you just got to read slower and be like, what am I even reading, right? So I get really excited. I go to my mom. I'm like, mama, I was like, uh, I was just reading about Noah. And I, I think I know why that raven didn't come back. And she was like, what? Now, I didn't understand wow. this at the time. What I know now is that when I read the Bible, it's like a pop-up book. Yeah. Like I'm not even reading it I'm, as much as I'm watching it. So I, I run to my mom. I'm like, Mama, I think I know why the raven didn't come back when it, when Noah let it out the boat. And she was like, what? I was like, I, don't, I think I know why the raven didn't come back. She was like, okay, go on. I was like, well, the water started receding and there's bloated bodies everywhere of animals and humans. I was like, the raven's a carnivorous animal. How old are you? I was 20. <laughs> Just the deepest revelation at 20 years. I'm like... <laughs> It just logically, like, if everybody drowns <laughs> and the water's receding, Golly. then there's bloated bodies, right, yeah. of animals and humans. And I'm like, the raven is having a buffet. Why would it come back? Wow. It's like, it's not, the, the water hasn't receded to the point where humans can come out and start set, resettling their lives again. But this raven, oh, this raven's, this is, the raven's been waiting for this. And I was like, the dove comes out. And it keeps coming back because it doesn't feed off dead things. It feeds off the living stuff. And she's like, okay. And I was like, so I think the raven represents our sinful nature. Because our sinful nature feeds off dead stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I think the dove represents the Holy Spirit. And I and he represents life. And that's why he comes back with the little olive branch in his mouth. And my mom was like, Okay, she was like, okay. <laughs> and she's the one that said, the last Sunday in February, you're preaching. Wow, after that moment. After that moment. And yeah. I was like, why? I was like, I'm not no preacher. I was like, I just thought this was cool. Yeah. She was like, baby, you can preach what you just said, yeah. or if the Lord shows you something else, preach that. But you're preaching the last Sunday in February. And that's how I started preaching. God. But it was off that revelation. I'll never forget it. What, what, did you, what did you preach? Did you preach that? No, I preached a message called um, concentra consecrated, not concentrated. Because by the time February came, I was already through probably Exodus. And so I had seen the word consecration a lot of the yeah. priest and all this kind of stuff. It's probably through Leviticus too. But all I knew is um, I was putting some Tropicana orange juice away. And it said, not from concentrate. Mm. And I went, not from concentrate. And I was like, consecrated, not concentrated. We have been set aside oh my <laughs> to be purely who God has called us yeah. to be 
and not be something that comes from concentrate Man. <laughs> that needs to be diluted in order to be enjoyed. So, <laughs> and I preached that message. Ninety percent of that message I preached with my eyes closed through tears because I was mortified. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I know this is the worst sermon y'all have ever heard. <laughs> so I'm not looking at anybody's face. <laughs> I'm preaching by faith, not oh by sight. And when I'm done, I'm going to sit down and I cried through the whole thing and I was a hot mess and I'm glad it doesn't exist anywhere oh for anybody to thank, see. Thank the Lord. Thank you the Lord for the dark. Was not yet. I got to develop in the dark. I'm telling you. Yeah. Hey, social fam, we're going to get right back to the podcast in a minute. But we wanted to just pause for the cause and really just celebrate the goodness of God and the generosity of our church. This podcast that we filmed, and even this moment right now, is coming to you straight from SDHQ, our miracle property that we just recently celebrated a million dollars towards our $3 million goal. And I just wanna say thank you for being a church that consistently sows and consistently shows up with your generosity. It allows us to do things like this. And I believe we're actually gonna reach more people from SDHQ than we'll reach even from a Sunday morning mm -hmm. platform. Yeah. And so I wanna encourage you, stay faithful in giving. If we all do our part, it's amazing what God is able mm -hmm. to do. So if you listen to this on the podcast, uh, you can go to our website or to our app and you can give that way. Or if you're watching this right now, information is coming on the screen and you can give that way. No amount is too big or too small. Mm -hmm. Just be obedient to what God is telling you to do. So can we pray mm -hmm. over this offering and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Father, we thank you for this day. And just this opportunity to partner with um, the kingdom of heaven to advance what you want to do in the area through Social Dallas. Um, thank you for every giver. Thank you for your blessings. God, we've seen you and your faithfulness time and time again. And so we just pause and fix our eyes on you and just say thank you for all that you've done. Uh, we give you all the glory. We bring our sacrifice of praise with our giving. So today, uh, bless every giver and just be exalted um, now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now back to SD and the basement. One of the things, one of the many things I love about you, Tim, is your love for the word. Like this man knows the word. He's not just saying this like you live eating that book. But to add to that, I heard somebody say that, you know, on your destiny, on your journey, walking with the Lord, you need his word, mm -hmm. which is like a roadmap. Mm -hmm. But then you also need a GPS system. For sure. You need the voice of the Holy Spirit to tell you that you're not going to You teach about that the best, by the way. You're not going to flip in the Bible and say, go to this university. Right. No. No, and no. One of the things I love is how you consistently hear what you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, and you take that leap of faith, yep. irrespective of of questions not being answered. Yep. Can you take us on the journey? I don't even know where you should start. I don't know if you should start from you're at one of the largest churches in America. You step back and go on the road. Uh -huh. I don't know if you want to start from, hey, you're pastoring a thriving, successful church. Yep. Seven years. Everything is good. And you're like, oh, this season is over. I'm going to start a podcast. Like, I have watched you for years yep. make these massive decisions. Yeah. Sometimes scared, but also confident that God spoke. Yeah. Help some, somebody that's watching today go like, 
How do you do that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad y'all asked because I have. I feel like I have a PhD in transition. One thousand percent. Yeah, I do. I feel like I have a PhD in transition. So what had happened was the very first time the Holy Spirit uh, gave me a word of transition is 18 months after I gave my life to Jesus. So I get saved in January of 96, and in June of 97, he tells me to buy a one-way ticket to Dallas, which is why I switched all my shoes to uh, Air Max 97s for this season that I'm in now. Really? Because they, they actually symbolize the greatest transition I ever made. And, and I feel like this is a, the second most significant transition I've made in my life. Wow. So that's why I switched all my shoes for 97s. So... Um, June of 97, I, I, um, I, I hear this word by one-way ticket to Dallas, and I, my parents uh, buy me a one-way Greyhound bus ticket and raise $400 for me in their church and put me on a Greyhound bus with three suitcases to my name. And that's how I got to Dallas in 97. You didn't know anybody in Dallas? Mm -mm. Never had. I'd never been here, nothing. So I lived, I lived in Oak Cliff with my grandfather's brother and his wife, and I just started figuring it out. Yeah. So I so moved here in 97, met Juliet in 98. We got married in 99. I joined the Potter's House a month after I moved here. I was there for 13 and a half years. Last four years spent as a young adult pastor. And in 08, the Holy Spirit was like, prepare for transition. Mm -hmm. I thought it was transition out of young adult ministry to like more of executive pastoral position. And so all of 09, we prayed and fasted. January of 2010, he said, this is your last year at PH. So I told Bishop Jakes in April, um, and my last day was December 31st of 2010, and I went back on the road. I had two engagements for the whole year, and they were both in January. <laughs> <laughs> I had two engagements and for the had, whole year. And had bills that were going to come February. And they were March both in February. January. And at the end of January, I had made two thirds of my income uh, that I was making at uh, Potter's House. Golly. And the Lord said, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, don't ever ask me about money again. Wow. As clear as I'm talking to you. Yeah. He said, don't ever ask me about money again. From that day to this, I've never asked the Lord about money again. <sighs> ever. I don't even bring it up. I look at my bank account, I'm like, I ain't talking to you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your bank account. Like, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know your kids live here. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so went back on the road. The Holy Spirit said, go to Gateway. We were like, no. He was like, go. And we were like, okay. So we joined Gateway May of 11. Uh, they bring me on staff July of 12. Uh, and then in September of 2015 we're sent to plant embassy city church another transition yeah. and we do embassy city church for seven years uh but this the uh month of our sixth year anniversary uh the holy spirit speaks a word through charlotte gamble and says your season as a lead pastor is coming to an end and from the time we got that word to the to my last day it was 15 months Man. it was fast so when she's saying that to you are you had you already been Feeling that this is uh, left field, blue. left wow. field, Damn. left field in another country. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how far left field it came. Right. Damn. So I had no idea. Like we were looking at buildings. Like we were looking at purchasing a building during that time. Yeah. So I had no inkling of it or whatever. Um, the Lord just started confirming it, and we were like, "What?" 
So I'm thinking, I'm about to be Clarence Avon now. I'm about to fade into the shadows, help all those uh, that I've mentored and discipled behind the scenes, and I'll just be like the the invisible hand, right? Yeah. Like, help you with this. Hey, don't be dumb in your marriage. Hey, uh, this sermon would be better executed like that. Hey, take off. Yeah, They'll be here when you get back. Like, well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to help all my friends. And the Lord's like, start a podcast. And I was like, no. There should be a theme right now. The Holy Spirit says stuff to me. I usually say no first. Like I am, I have never been yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul. Yes, Lord, I have been no Lord, no Lord, from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to do that, Lord. So thank you for saying that because, like, recently I just did a mess about Jonah, Mm -hmm. and I was saying. Jonah did not want to go. No, he didn't. And God said, go. And I, I told people, if what you want to do always lines up with what God is calling you to do, you are not following God. Well, you are following you. So I appreciate that honesty of yeah. like, my initial reaction was no, I think that's yeah. helpful. Well, I, I think we, 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 wrote, we, oh, we overly romanticize Abraham. Yeah. To the point that we feel like if we don't respond like Abraham, then we're in sin. I've told people in in the 27 years I've been married, I could probably count on one hand I've had the faith of Abraham. Mm. You know what I've had all them other times? The fleeces of Gideon. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Lord, if this you, let it rain tomorrow. Yeah. Middle of the summer. In a drought. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And then when it rains, I'd be like, dang it. All right, Lord, if it's really you, <laughs> let the temperature drop 22 degrees. <laughs> but it better be 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Temperature drops 22 degrees. I'd be like, dang it. Yep. One more, Lord. <laughs> One more. Yes. Let Obama call me tomorrow. <laughs> All of a sudden, oh, unidentified caller. Hey, Tim. Dang it. Uh, so Must yeah, be you, Lord. Yeah. I got three of them, right? So, so I feel like. I feel like we need to just normalize that obedience to God doesn't always mean I went with a grin. Wow, yeah. Sometimes you go much to your chagrin. Man. Sometimes you go with a grimace. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I'm an introvert, so why would I want to do something else that's going to make me public? Yeah. And make me so public that it pales in to, in comparison to what I was doing as a preacher. I like I loved being kind of like kind of known. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they would know me in South Lake, but they wouldn't know me in South Central. Right, you yeah. know what I mean? I <laughs> I'd go to Slauson Swap Meet and get in and out, and nobody say nothing. Right? I start yeah, a podcast. Yeah. They're like, "Hey, you the dude with them yellow glasses?" <laughs> I'm like, I wore my gray ones so I could yeah. be Clark Kent. They're like, you Superman, fool. <laughs> so it's like really, yeah, it's like you, like obedience is deference to your own will. Doesn't mean you don't have it. You're just like, oh, I guess, I mean, if you want me to. Right. But it better work, though. Or else you're going to be embarrassed. Like, I'm not going to be embarrassed. Like, I, I'm not easily embarrassed anyway. I have very low inhibitions. <laughs> so he told me to step down from leading the church. And nine months later, he told me to do a podcast. A lot of people think that um, I left the church because a podcast blew up. Yeah. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Yeah. 2020, September of 2021 is when he told me to 
transition and then may of 22 is when he told me to start the pod yeah the first pod didn't come out until july 6th august is when he told me this was that 22 was my last year so the blow up wasn't the metric it was right. just obedience. obedience it was just obedience, obedience. i first of all want to say thank you for being you yeah. it has been a breath of fresh air to me for years thank you man um you know, you hear people say you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm-hmm. And I think of the people who are dying because they're holding on to things. And I remember from that first lunch that we had, I don't even think the salad had come <laughs> And Tim was the first person that looked across the table and said, yeah, I was addicted to pornography for years. Mm-hmm. And we just met. Mm-hmm. And you were one of the first people I could share that struggle with. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, what else can you say to somebody who's holding on to secrets because not everybody has a Tim. I'm thankful that I've had a Tim. Yeah, for sure. Be able to call and go, hey, yeah, I got a struggle. I've been wearing this cape yeah. in front of everybody. Yeah, I'm thinking of the people that are watching. They're going, I, I keep putting on. I'm this in this circle. I'm this in that circle. Yep. What's the first step? What can they do? Yeah, they need a person. Yeah. And I tell people, like, if you've been hurt in the past and you can't trust, uh, you go rent trust, mm. and that's therapy. Come on. By vocation, they can't divulge what you've told them, right? And so, I I mean, I I sponsor people to go to therapy. That's amazing. I I pay all their bills for the year. I'm like, you're going to get it. Like, um, But I want to talk about it from a spiritual level because um, it has practical implications, but the Bible has been very, very clear on it, and we've kind of missed it in, in helping people. So there's a verticality and there's a horizontal way that this is supposed to happen. First John 1 says, confess your sins to God who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Which means, simply, confessing of sins to God cleanses you. He forgives you and he cleanses you. Only God can do that anyway. Yeah. There's no confession to a person that's going to cleanse you and forgive you know you know they can't forgive you only god can forgive you and they can't cleanse you so confession to god is both cleansing and there's forgiveness there james 5 says confess your sins your faults one to another and pray for another that you might be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much confession to god gets you cleansed and forgive forgiven it doesn't get you healed. Wow. You can only heal when you tell another Man. person. Gosh, that's so good. And I got a lot of people that have gone decades saying, I'm sorry, Lord. And he's like, cleansed and forgiven. But you're not healed. But you ain't healed. And you keep going back to the same behavior because another person doesn't know. Right. It, it's easy to say sorry to God. He ain't looking at you. <laughs> Right? Well, like, yeah, yeah. It's easy to go, Lord, please forgive me, cleanse me. He ain't even look, he ain't even looking at you. And he's ready to toss it from the, as far as the, the, the east is from the west. Yeah, but yeah. when I have to go look Juliet in the eye and say, I fell into pornography again, yeah. fam, oh, I don't want to see that face. Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that changed. And then I don't want to. And then the, the, the guys I'm accountable to. I don't want to get on the phone or text a me- Hey, dog. So I want to get on the front end of that. Right. I want to say when I'm tempted, this is what I'm tempted to do, as opposed to this is what I did. Right. 
Come on. The behavior might start in what you did, but it should move to this is what I'm thinking. Got you. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam and Eve, we should, let me just say, we should all still be naked right now. Yeah. But Adam and Eve didn't talk until after. They should have had a conversation before. before. Yo, this snake's been talking to me. God, what do you think about it? <laughs> That's what should have happened. Yeah, he has so, for them. So I learned, so secrets, secrets have power and we weren't made to hold secrets. Yeah. Like even the people that are like, I'm a good secret keeper. You can tell me anything. I'll never tell anybody. We weren't meant to hold stuff in. Yeah. There's a, there's a reason why there's a there, there's a um, uh, a tag called deathbed confessions, because hmm. we were never meant to hold secrets. Right. Yeah. So the only reason why we know what happened to Jimmy Hoffa is that the guy that that was going to be a, a murder that was never solved, but the Irishman who committed the murder on his deathbed confessed it to his son, and that's how Scorsese made that movie. I didn't know that. Wow. He didn't give his life to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't want to die with a secret because nobody really does. Yeah. So, so you know, I got sexually abused when I was eight, um, um, exposed to pornography at 12. My mom caught me watching porn at 19. So that's the night I confessed what happened to me at eight. So really, my eight-year-old in yeah. my 19-year-old body yeah. told mommy what happened. Wow. And it was like a 2,000-pound slab of concrete came off my chest. And I remember the feeling I had. This was not a feeling of salvation, sanctification, <laughs> you know, any of that. I just remember going, I will never hold a secret again as long as I live. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care who knows. I don't care. You can cancel me. Yeah. I bet you ain't holding a secret. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the liberation that I've tried to walk in and I've invited all of my friends and along the way, like, bro, don't hide it. Yeah. Just that, am I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Didn't that create a moment even in your family once you actually did? Yeah, because my yeah. mom was sexually abused when she was six. Yeah. And my dad was uh, uh, molested by the comic book store owner when he was five. So this night that should have been incredibly shameful for the whole family, because my younger brother, Miles, was uh, abused by the same guy. It was a teenage yeah. boy that lived across the street from me. So I was even afraid to share that detail. Because, oh my good, what if somebody thinks I'm a homosexual or I struggle with homosexuality? I don't care. Yeah. Right? The, 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 um, uh, I learned uh, through my friend Jenna Mountain, who's a sex therapist, that um, you don't control arousal. You only control the conditions of it. Mm. That was wildly liberating. Right, yeah. All, all, all my even eight-year-old body was saying, which shouldn't have been awakened sexually at eight, but all my eight-year-old body was saying uh, in response to what was what was done to me was my I work correctly as a sexual creature I actually my body works correctly yeah. that's all the arousal meant it didn't mean anything else right, exactly. and being able to like understand that from a mental health standpoint and be able to go to scripture for what's clearly presented as uh, how we are to govern ourselves as sexual creatures I was able to just walk in the freedom that God gave me. But until we normalize these type of conversations yeah, and not stop, start tiptoeing and stuttering, oh, well, Robert and Taylor, you know, uh, you know, just, yeah, the Lord delivered me from some stuff and 
keep praying for me. Yeah, no, it right. needs to be. <laughs> yeah, we need to normalize it. Absolutely. So for the person watching that has a secret, right? Who do they know? Like, how do they know who to go to? Who is safe? I don't think everyone's safe. Everyone's not. Um, to handle your secret. That's correct. So to that person that's watching and they don't have anyone to talk to, where do they go? Yeah. I uh, Again, uh, the place I encourage people to go for instant safety mm-hmm. is a therapist. Mm-hmm. Secondly, not even secondly, I would also encourage pray about it. I always prayed, like, God, who I need to share this with? And God always told me, yeah. mm-hmm. tell him, tell her, yeah. tell them. Have this person hold you accountable for this. Have this person hold you accountable for that. Sometimes people can't hold all of you, mm-hmm. so you let them hold what the part can. that they can hold. That's great. You know what I mean? And so we, that's what uh, Galatians 6 says, we bear each other's burdens, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I, I may be able to hold your backpack, but somebody else has to pull the wagon yeah. right so you're not looking for one person to be the end-all be-all that could that could be overwhelming for a person but there's a person i go to for my sexual trauma there's yeah. a person and then i have a business mentor that helps me with money yep. and my yeah. financial stuff that i need to talk through so just figuring it out who that is and praying about that is very very important yeah, but for funny. trauma Go to a therapist. I just strongly encourage everybody to go to a therapist because your friend is not a therapist. Right, yes. <laughs> I've been in therapy since I was 19, and I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> Every week, Peggy. What's up, Peggy? Yeah, <laughs> listen. Here I am. My therapist, I, I tell people that my salvation experience was my braces. Mm. The Holy Spirit is my retainer. Wow. And therapy is my retainer. Yep, so good. It helps me to not shift back. Yeah. yeah. To where I was, I, I've made a lot of progress. You've made a lot of progress. You made a lot of progress. Yeah, yeah. But if I stop wearing my retainer, I'm gonna yeah, shift back. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like I am only as good as my discipline. Right. No, absolutely. My morality is not because I would never. Right. Yeah. You'd never catch me doing that. You would if I stopped going to therapy. Right, yeah, <laughs> you can set your watch by it. I'm gonna shift back. No, absolutely. You know. So, so I just feel like. Just encouraging and normalizing, which I'm glad mental health is like taking, you know, its its space in the landscape of culture right. in terms of like it being normalized. Um, but this has been 25 years for me. Gosh. Yeah. That is incredible. And that's why I'm not afraid of the success. No, I love it. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll say, um, even with the explosion, I used to say all the time with social, like, I'm good, 150 bucks. 150 people at Granada Theater. Yeah. I, I felt like I was like expressing how humble I am, quote unquote. Like, <laughs> humble, like 150 people, this is great. Yeah. But also just a bit scared of of failing mm. once the notoriety comes. Because I don't think any leader, um, we're seeing it now and just, you know, across the, the world. Um, but I don't think any leader plans to fail they don't ever. they don't plan to have yeah. a moral failure they ever don't plan to do what they've done i think it just like slowly happens with the growth and so for me i don't know i'm just still in this posture of like wait are, we, are really six thousand people showing up on easter sunday we're only two years old like that actually it's amazing on one hand but it also like terrifies me yeah and i feel like i've done my work as well i'm in yeah. therapy and i'm like I've, i'm whole and yeah I'm good yeah but for some reason i still have like this like I don't know if, it, if, if it's what I want. Yeah, you know? for sure. So that's why I asked the question. So so um, uh, I'm so grateful you said what you said about uh, the moral failure, right? Nobody plans it. Nobody plans it. Like nobody, 
<laughs> Nobody's ever in youth group right now like, use me, Lord, to shake a generation and then disappoint them. Right, yes. <laughs> use Let me, the Lord. Let come out on this day. Yeah, because you know I don't what I mean? Yeah, like, they're, they're good people. They're really good people. They're good people. So I have empirical data. I know the common denominator of all moral failures. Please tell us. They had nobody to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. The more I can break the silence and say, hey, need to let you know that woman is too attractive for me to be around. Yeah. Yay. I'm safe now. So you tell that to Juliet or you tell that to some, like a friend, like a guy? I can tell it to Juliet if it's, if it's going to be a problem between me and her. Mm-hmm. Definitely telling Juliet. Mm-hmm. If, when I was, so, when I was at a, so when I was at Potter's house, uh, I was a young adult pastor there for four years. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, we got up to like 750 people, mm-hmm. 88% of which were single. So I'm seeing i'm counseling a bunch of people guys and girls in those four years i was attracted to three women Mm -hmm. three of the young adults that came in now attraction is not planned Mm -hmm. you don't wake up in the morning and go i can't wait to see somebody as fine as juliet today you know what i mean you're not on a hunt for that attraction is information it's not sin (laughs) attraction is not sin you can't find it anywhere in the bible lust is sin but not attraction, right? Attraction is information. I didn't know I was going to be attracted to these ladies. But over that course of four years, three different ladies, I've, I, they came in for a counseling session, and I'm like, well, dang. This is our first and last counseling session. Mm-hmm. Professional, got through it. They left. As soon as they left, I called my admin in. Hey, I can't meet with her anymore. And they're so... so protective of me what they do what they, uh, they didn't do nothing I found myself attracted to them and it is malpractice for me to be looking forward to a counseling session yeah. with somebody I'm pastoring so I can't meet with her no more assign her to a different pastor I remember the very first time I did it they were looking at me like who are you I'm a guy that's not about to be embarrassed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Come on. That's who I am. Come I'm a dude that's not about to get fired. Exactly. That's who I am. Yeah. Right. So sharing that, um, it it could make me look like, I don't know, some wild, raging, lustful man, or I could look like I really love God, and I don't want Bathsheba coming up to my room. Right. And if I can tell David had the choice to tell somebody Amen I was just on the roof Yes Obviously everybody ain't out to war (laughs) You know what I mean Bathsheba's fine Uh, Make sure I'm not on my balcony for the next You know for all of spring Because I guess these women just be out while their husbands Is out at war you know what I mean Um, Honesty is just Beautiful yeah. And it'll preserve your life. But but the common denominator to all moral failure is you didn't tell nobody. Yeah. yeah. And this goes all the way back to Genesis. Who'd they tell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So so I'm I'm trying to get people into this this posture of heart that says, um, I want to preemptively right. please God. Nobody's gonna be batting a thousand. Yeah. Right? You can 
you can have a very vulnerable day. I always tell people that um, uh, a point of vulnerability and the right lie from the enemy can sound like the truth. So I'm not saying you can't accidentally step into something. What I'm saying is you know when you stepped into something. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and you can make some adjustments right then and there. I'll say this last thing and I'll get off this. Um, uh, John 1, 1, confess your sins to God who's faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, right? That did not become true about God's nature or character when John wrote it. Yeah. That was always true about God, right? So here's my contention, and I submit this to the theologians. <laughs> I believe um, that we'd all be naked right now if when Adam bit that fruit, he ran full speed streaking through the garden, yelling at the top of his lungs, Daddy! 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 I messed up! I'm naked! I need help! I think we'd all be naked right now. Because it wasn't about what he did at that point. It was about what he hid. Wow. God had to come in the garden in the cool of the day and find Adam when Adam should have found God. Ah. Yeah. So confession and getting caught are not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Open yeah. up your mouth after you done got caught and being like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Thanks. Right. <laughs> but right. there's a different price to pay yes. than when you come out and say, yes. You're, you were never going to know this. Right, exactly. But I got to tell you, I have severely messed up. Yeah. And here's where I have been. There is grace for that right. person. Absolutely. I've told anybody that's ever worked for me, if I'm the first to know, you are covered. Absolutely. If I'm the last to know, you are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Absolutely. You would get fired on the spot. Actually, <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? And I actually gain respect for oh you. Oh my gosh. When you tell me something I love you that more. I would not have known. I, I love you more. Yes. Right? practice deception. Yeah. So, so because that, because I, that's what I believe Man. they got kicked out of the garden for. Not even what they did. What they hid. Yeah. He was ready to cleanse and forgive. Absolutely. But when he came to him. They couldn't even own it. He blame shifted, yeah. which is why here's a, here's another thing. And I submit this to the theologians, which is why I believe a sin is only attributed to Adam and not Eve. Because when Adam was asked, he did not answer the question head on. Mm. Eve did. Yeah. What did you do? The serpent tricked yeah, me. Yeah. The serpent deceived me and I did eat. Yeah. What's said about Eve through the rest of the narrative? Eve was deceived. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she had the self awareness to know. Yeah, this was me. I, I did this, but Adam was like, "It's the woman you gave me." Right. Yeah, yeah. I was naked. Who said you were naked? Uh. And even just to that, it's the woman you you gave me. You so gave me. It's your fault. This is your fault. Yeah, yeah. this so is your fault. Am I not running yeah. to you? The blame. The blame God, shifting you was. Did, you did. Yeah. This. <laughs> it's so wild, Man. bro. Wow. It's so wild. So I'm glad we got on this because if if we could especially as pastors, yeah. right? Orienting our churches. If we could calibrate that level of authenticity yeah. and, and let people know, you can tell us whatever. And again, it doesn't mean there won't be consequences. Absolutely. Sometimes I could be the first to know and you still not going to have a job here. Yeah. Yes, but you're going to have a healthy severance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you're going to be honored and you're going to at least you let me know. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but when you're when you're when you're out 
when 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 it's I got caught and I had to get pressed into a corner and I only told the truth after you came with like a videotape like yeah. you know what I mean I got all the proof right, right here yeah, then you yeah, like yeah. well you know <laughs> right. that might have been me yeah. <laughs> stop mm-hmm. oh so just just making that just normalizing that I think w- would help the body of Christ yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but individually good. in our local churches yeah. it, it would help to calibrate people so so good. Yeah. Our, our word for the year of social is go deeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've just been saying that a shallow world needs a deeper church. Ooh. And I'm just, I'm thankful, first of all, for you. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> for not being a surface level person. So for truly living you. uh, your acronym, a hot life. Yes, sir. Honest. Yes, sir. Open. Yes, sir. And transparent. Yes, sir. And it has, I know, impacted my life and impacted thousands of others um last question what are you most excited about in this season highways byways bushes and shrubs (laughs) (laughs) i am excited about the highways byways bushes and shrubs after 27 years of preaching in church uh getting the distinct privilege to invite people to the basement yeah um we we have a medium that is literally going out to the highways and the byways, the lame, the crippled, the destitute. We have atheists and agnostics and gays and lesbians and transgenders and uh, deconstructionists and um, uh, former pastors and, and aspiring pastors. And like, it's just become this medium that's really going to reach for people uh, and pull them out of the shrubs. Like I showed, I showed Robert earlier. Uh, this is my meme right now. Homer Simpson. <laughs> I don't know if that y'all can pick that up on the camera, but like Homer Simpson going into the bushes. That's who I'm after. Yeah, come on. I'm after Homer. Absolutely. And and when, I remember when the when I got this meme, and the Holy Spirit said, "You know who else was in the bushes." And I said, don't do this, sir. <laughs> Adam and Eve. Man. They were hiding amongst what they should have been out in front of managing. And we have people that are hiding amongst mm. what they should be managing. Come on. And people don't think they can manage their life, their lives, so they're just sinking into it. Mm. And God called us to step out, not to step back. Yeah. So I'm... I'm excited about the highways, byways, bushes, and shrubs. You know, when you got um, athletes and entertainers and, and you know, celebrities DMing you, and then you got OnlyFan models DMing you and saying, pray for me. That's dope. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Absolutely. this is dope. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that there's people that are like, oh, be careful. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, be diligent. If we're going to go after everybody, let's go after everybody for real, for real. Right, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then connect them with the people that can help them from where they are to where they need to be. So yeah. highways, byways, bushes, and shrubs. That's my little chant. Come on. Yeah. How spoiled are we as a church that our very first conversation at SDHQ was with the brilliant mind 
of Tim Ross. SDHQ meets the basement. Yay! Unbelievable, unbelievable. Thank you so much. I love you. For your time. Yeah, we absolutely. Love we love, love Juliet. We love I Nathan love so and much. Noah. We didn't even talk about that. He's got two incredible sons. But uh, thank you for making this Watch Party Sunday phenomenal social fam. More of this to come. But I pray you enjoy this weekend. We will be back at Gillies next Sunday, 9 a.m. and 11.30. But until then, peace. We get to do this. We get to do this. <laughs> we get to do this.